this leads me on to uh, one of my uh, other questions. Obviously, yeah. how how we or how you or anyone communicates with a gamer or a consumer of gaming. So obviously, different sports will have different ways of communicating. So the NBA and the NFL, there'll there'll be variations mm. in how they communicate with their with, with their audiences. Same with the Premier League, Football League, Premiership Rugby. I'm yeah. guessing even further, esports is going to have a completely different way of communicating with with consumers. How, I guess, how different is that communication, and and what are the best platforms? Um, I think so. Within each game, you know, there are like with like with any other sport, there are types of people, that, different types of people that engage with them. Right, like the community is made up of like an esports fan is a many different types of person, you know? Um, it's somebody who plays 20 hours of this game, but also watches movies every weekend. It's somebody who, you know, works at a bank um, and plays, you know, a game once a, a day, once a week, whatever it may be. Like the profile of this esport or more committed gamer um, it's changed a lot because games have become more accessible, right? So that audience isn't as distant as it once was, where it was like very very niche and very like specific to us to one type of profile. Um, so in terms of kind of deciphering the communities and how to best deal with you know talking to people, I think you know perhaps this is why I've continued to work in this space for much longer um, than I first thought. Um, even though I loved it so much, because it changes so much, you ask yourself quite often, like, you know, my God, that changed again. Like, you know, there's a lot of that forces change on you. Um, but one really cool thing about the community, <clears throat> and there are, you know, you can debate this a bit within the space, but you can be fairly you can be fairly straightforward with your community, you know, and I, by that, I mean, you don't need, like, it doesn't, you don't need smokes and mirrors. I think you're talking to an audience of people who primarily have, are digitally native, right? So they have a ton of other um, places that are asking for their attention, right? Um, they don't need to watch your video or, like your graphic or you know, they, like that's they get that stuff for free and in abundance everywhere they look um and so i know a lot of people have said this in the past but like attention is a currency that's perhaps become like you know what people are especially those looking into esports are trying to trade in um and if somebody's committed to a competitive game they're more likely to engage with your messaging um, if you are attached and show that you really genuinely care about that game uh, and that space that they kind of live and play in, um, communicating to each esport, I'd say, is and each region that plays that esport is also different. So in each game, you think of each game as an esport, right? Um, whether it's League of Legends or Counter Strike or uh, Dota or yeah, the list goes on. Um, I think within that community, you've got profiles 
But one thing that perhaps binds those people together is that they all really love that game, right? They'll really just enjoy playing that game. So if you're communicating to this group of people, it's not enough to just be like, I have a message to tell you. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, you don't want to be the guy on the soapbox, you know? Um, this is what I think is important, what you need to hear, because I really like this game too. I think you need to develop some level of connection, genuine connection to the game um, and be a part of it in some way before people are willing to pay you out. Um, so I think that's the key. Like, whereas in most cases, you hang out with a friend and they watch the World Cup and they think they know everything about football. You know, like, um, right? I think in esports, there are more, there's more need to be specific about how you, much you really are devoted or have shown commitment to a specific esport. And people will, uh, same going back to that bullshit, you know, people will sniff out mm -hmm. uh, fakes quickly. You got to be in it. You got to be part of that. They want people to be part of that community rather than visitors to the community. And it's not hard because watch a couple of games, get into the space, um, you know, brush up on some some knowledge. Um, and one good, amazing thing about people who play games is they're very welcoming. Like at least this is the experience I've had. Like they're not, like, they're all playing games anonymously, primarily online, and they're not there to judge you for who you are, what you look like, where you're from. They just, like me when I was younger, are judging you by how good you are in the game, right? Uh, yeah. Online. So accepting of a lot of different types of people, which is amazing, um, but also like because they're more accepting and the doors are open, it's like, well, you better love this, this thing we love. Um, otherwise, like, why are you here? You know? So, yeah. Yeah, at least from what I can see. Fair, fair point. So obviously we, just continuing on the success and growth of esports, um, kind of it runs in coalition with um, professional sports to a certain extent. Um, so much so that um, kind of City Football Club and other high-profile football teams have launched their own oh, yeah. esports team or are launching their own esports team what what do you think the motivation is behind this is it is it purely to engage with new communities or kind of just not miss a trick um probably a bit of both i think a lot of these decisions are like emotionally driven mm -hmm. um but to put that aside for a moment um hey city did an amazing partnership with phase who are now you know phase clan who are recognized as i would say like easily the most visible um esport or esport associated um sort of brand in the world um but to get back to point um i think for a lot of football clubs and teams and those from traditional sports uh, because in the u.s has been a, a, also a, you know a lot of the the guys who own esport teams are traditional sports owners NBA, NFL, NHL. Um, I think for them, and the same thing for folks like Man City, not only have they got their own team and are they doing content with that team, kind of like competing with that team. Uh, I know that, you know, we have to be real about this. Sports businesses like football need to continue to grow their fan bases, right? Um, and 
if your fan base is you know 45 slash 50 which is 50 is 49 is the average for it was the average for the nfl around i could be misquoting but i believe it was around late 40s um at some point you need to resupply your fan base with people who are going to be able to spend money um on uh, and express their fandom that way right so yeah man i think um folks like city and, and others is you know they're just an example are looking at esports and saying you know this is a predominantly young audience and very young primarily male um, but not always uh, shifting which is great but like this is a male young male audience at least for now um or female but primarily young is what i'm kind of hinting at um if we get into this and we kind of grow something here we have a shot at communicating and engaging with people who are much younger who would not tune into anything we have to say um otherwise um the numbers of people who are been buying tickets to live events and the, the age of those people unless it's you know sort of a big ticket event or some some, some sort of feature event it, it's like age groups younger age groups are definitely not as interested as they once were um and so this is a means to both engage with that group but also to digitally create some form of connection with them because like i said about twitch being able to sort of bring twitch youtube and sort of esports broadcasting being able to kind of bring the um you know innovation perhaps the tv linear tv was has been lacking for so long similarly for clubs this is a means for them to be able to connect digitally and create digital sort of relationships with their fans younger fans whereas previously the majority of their engagement or interaction with their fans was in a stadium right um so it's twofold one you become more digitally native and with esports being part of a team like city they've become far more digitally you know they've pushed out bigger content pieces uh, obviously amazon has picked up some of those they've picked up one of those they've become more digitally engaged with their audience over the last few years um, and esports is a great way to kind of get a better understanding into the habits and the you know the way in which younger people communicate and then the team side it is just like any other team you build a team and they're great and they're great and you've got a community of people who are supporting that team then they're likely to care about at least this their position on it i would assume um, based on the conversations i've had that they'd be likely to care about that team for many years to come so i think it's a smart play and i think it's uh if it's gen done genuine in a genuine way then why not like why not have a a fan imagine the next generation of man city fans or one of the generations ahead of man city fans fell in love with the team's esport like team over yeah. uh, and never watched a football game but are a man city fan you know um that's a it's a unique proposition for uh, any football or any sports team that has not been able to connect with young people so yeah, I'm, I mean, I think it's interesting as well. Obviously, we we talk about the digital consumption um, and that interaction and reaching out new new ages. But I mean, what's interesting, I think, is and I could be wrong on this, but the City Group on the same site are building an arena now. 
obviously predominantly they're marketing that for music and those events but mm. you know without a doubt that's going to be that's going to be a home for, for those esports teams and oh, yeah. i'm assuming that a lot of the a lot of the american teams who are kind of who have the same nfl owners or basketball owners will have arenas that again kind of has bums on seats and people paying tickets and coming through definitely without a doubt esport events are that they, they, they've grown so much just in terms of like the, you know not only are they very mobile because they're able to set up in any country in the world quite quickly but they're also able to draw crowds um not just you know in the local hometown like it, it, you can have a world cup and if there are six or five tier ones that most of your esports you could have a world five world cups in these five sports every year right esports doesn't move at the same pace as traditional sports we don't wait four years for a world cup you know um yeah the inner the international which is a a dota tournament um is a crowd-funded primarily crowd-funded tournament that is sort of like the world cup of dota um that has had a just google the prize the prize purse of that you're, you know you're talking in excess of 20 million dollars every year that is primarily crowd-funded and that is and has been in different countries the last few years whereas previously it was just based in seattle where the company's headquarters is you have world cups and other games that are Fortnite had a world cup in new york you know um china has hosted events korea has like the day there's that ability to be mobile and for people who own these arenas um, when sports are not on and you can get you can fill an arena with 20 or thirty thousand people that physical experience that's definitely something that esport teams that have started digitally native um, and have been crafting more virtual stadium experiences over time have started to look towards and that's i think it's odd because sports started with that right Sports started with that physical stadium, that arena where like you go out and watch a game. Esports started with the virtual arena, and so they're kind of like going in, you know, yeah. opposite directions. With sports, is trying to figure out the virtual side, and uh, esports is actually getting a lot of people, yeah, a lot of uh, bums and seats. Um, and that's, so what, I don't think that's slowing down. No, what I was just going to say, what kind of crowds do you think, um, kind of one of those world events, those international events, can? Oh, I mean. In in Asia, let's separate Asia from the rest of the world. A World Cup, like I remember, Worlds in uh, China. You know, we're talking twenty thousand plus people, right? Like at an at an event um, in the UK, in the US. You know, they had been in Birmingham had a ESL event and a couple other big events in uh, the city. Face it, had some big events. These are organizers. You know. Upwards of two, three, four, five thousand people at an arena. Uh, Wembley, SSE, Wembley has had a bunch of events. Like they're packed, they're sold yeah. out. Like it's it's not unheard of to get a couple thousand people in an event. Madison Square Garden, um, you know, Overwatch League had an event out there. That is, there's such a long list of these events that routinely will sell out their maximum capacity, um, and that isn't always the case. And you've got to remember also that in some cases, tickets are, some tickets are handed out for free. And, you know, there's still like that, um, you know, it's still a growing industry, um, but people are showing up, you know, obviously yeah. 
the pandemic's changed that for a bit, but when we're when we're going into our next new normal, um, I think people are going to want to head out, head back out to events, you know, and be with friends. So yeah, do you, do you it's ever a big it, time for esports. Do you see it getting to a stage with your kind of your your big finals where you are getting eighty thousand, ninety thousand people at stadiums? That kind yeah, of definitely. That's, I think it's it's not even do it. It's a matter of time. It's just it's like some of these events to think about. If you compress the timeline, think about it. And in 2011, when League of Legends had its 11 to 10, the 11, when League of Legends had its sort of, I'm going to call it like season one of the league, but I think unofficially at least will be recognized as such. It was done at a gaming event in um, or a gaming festival called DreamHack. And there were a couple of maybe 100 people in this room. Um, Five years later, not even five years, 2013, I believe, was the Staples Center, home of the, the Lakers, a sold out, like full on audience. Like that's two years later yeah. from a 100 person crowd. And so the rate at which, you know, we're seeing that happen today, with there are two leagues in the world. Again, a bit more detail on this. You can kind of Google it, Google it up when we're tuning in. Um, Activision Blizzard owns two big games uh, called Call of Duty and uh, Overwatch. Both of them have a franchise league. For those familiar with American sports, you'll know how franchise leagues work. Um, team owners have paid upwards of $20 million to be a part, to own the rights to one of these franchise leagues. Um, folks like the uh, Crafts, um, you know, folks like the owners of the New York Mets, like a lot of big traditional sports owners have bought into these teams, these leagues. They are building home arenas for their games um, so that there are home and away games. So they'll be essentially touring the country, playing one another, similar to a traditional sport um, and selling, obviously looking to sell tickets, merchant, you know, all the rest, food and beverage, all that other stuff that comes to events. But they've paid for the privilege to own the rights to a franchise linked to their city. So they're, they're building home arena experiences as well, right? That they're connecting with online play. So, yeah, is it a matter of, will we get packed out audiences up to, up, you know, hundreds? Of, yes, definitely. The, the, and I suppose it's... it's seeds it's, are there. Is that one sport as well that is genuinely international? Ultimately, you know, say soccer, for example, it's huge in some countries, not so much others. Rugby, cricket, basketball, mm. uh, NFL. Is that one sport um, that is just purely international? Which um, kind of... Li- no? I wonder. I wonder, man. Like, is there... Is fo- I think football comes the closest, right? Like, Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I'd be interested to know kind of the consumption of esports percentage wise certain among uh, among a younger demographic yeah, percentage wise yeah, i imagine yeah. it's considerably higher across most countries like just that consistent basis oh yeah so, i think that but there's so many remember there's so many games like and yeah. here's the kicker what is a popular esport today and this is a, may not be a popular esport in a year or two yeah. you know or three or four it could be replaced by another esport so, and each region, whilst they have access to those games or that particular esport, 
um, they may, their habits may change sooner than the others. So you may get like the way that adoption works for these games is obviously China is a very big market and in wherever you go, a lot of traditional sports teams are trying to get to get fans out in China, right? Esports is no different when publishers want to get a large Chinese audience committed to their game um, and like a hardcore following out in Korea. And once that's established, you know, that drives a lot of the numbers, of course, but then the US and Europe, they're different, they have different preferences. Like, just like, you know, I might like, um, you know, jazz and you might like blues or well, that's maybe hip-hop versus blues whatever you know you, you know, I, know that, I love that you've kind of you've still given me quite an old genre <laughs> i'm giving you jazz giving you an old one um, yeah you've gone I, blues you're like yeah jazz, i'm jazz right? you're blues or oh, no um, actually maybe i'm hip-hop you're blues i'll take hip-hop um, yeah <laughs> yeah like that it, it, you know like and i think with gaming it's with esports the same thing like you then you go well i kind of also want to listen to some you know, a lecture or whatever. It's the same with a game you play. Your your habits change so frequently yeah. because there's so much out there to choose from. Um, so pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. We we know that like esports is an international consumption, uh, international sport. Um, yeah. There is talk of it becoming an Olympic sport. Um, yeah. How yeah. do you how do you think that helps take it to the the absolute next level? And follow up question. Um, which games would it include, uh, assuming that combat games would be ruled out because of the Olympic CFOS? Oh man, I, I mean, like squash is not in the Olympics, but um, beach volleyball is. So, how much stock I put in the Olympics? Um, I mean, I, I support, you know, competitive sport or like elite sport wherever I see it. Um, and so to that degree, the Olympics are interesting. Um, I remember attending the London Olympics and watching Usain Bolt got a seat in the Raptors to watch Usain Bolt set a record. But like, I, I my personal opinion, like, I kind of don't care. And I don't think many people in esports do care at all about the Olympics or what validation they bring. Because again, I think the Olympics is an even worse position as compared to traditional sports teams or worse is relative but like their audience is getting old very old um and the means by which you consume the olympics as well has not changed much man um so i think the olympics desperately needs esports i don't i think it's actually the olympics will try to distance themselves from esports um, until they realize, which they already have in the last year or so, um, that actually these are the people who you desperately want to be watching your event. These so are the you think you it's a case of you think it's a case of the Olympics needing esports more than esports needs the Olympics? Uh, unequivocally, man. Like I, I don't even think that those in the space are looking at the Olympics going. That's a dinosaur. Like it's it's it, like I know that there's still a lot of um, national pride that comes with watching the Olympics and you know kind of like the also the side of watching the elite athlete, but like as a sports as a sports fan slash enthusiast, 
and hey man like i don't know how much you care about the england football team versus you know your local club um i for most people um i think that the you become so kind of you fall in love with the clubs that you follow on such a regular basis that they're kind of like the all end all and then you do support your 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 because football is unique in that sense. I think football is really unique, but like in general, the World Cup does that quite well. And then the Olympics is kind of handles all the rest. Do I really care if the US win basketball at the Olympics? Like I watch it because it's basketball, but I'd rather watch the NBA finals, you know? And I think at least from my point of view, for folks who are engaged with esports, they're looking at the Olympics going like we already do this. Like, we, you know, if anything, it provides it with some, it's a stamp of like, you're a real Legitimacy. Sport, but, yeah, but I don't think, like I said about the audience, the people who play these games, like, I don't think do you, people in do the you space think, care. Do you think though, I mean, obviously from that, from that point of view within the space, it's kind of, I guess you don't need that legitimacy from the Olympics to say it's a sport, but yeah, yeah. commercially, does it not open um, the industry up to sure. so many more brands? Sure, without a doubt. I, so to be, it may sound like an obvious like lever, you know, that like get into the Olympics and then there's that validation. But I, I, if anything, it will accelerate something that's already going to happen, I think, which is like people paying attention. Remember that the people who control the budgets that decide where brands spend their money are getting younger every five to 10 years, right? They're going to be more good and they're going to be from the generation that has come up watching esports. Um, so in 10, 15 years, it won't be the 50, 60, 40, 50, 60 year old guy who's not, who's just figured out esports. It'll be the guy who is you know, 25, 30, 35, and he's grown up watching and playing, if not mm-hmm. at least knowing esports exists. And I think that shift will fundamentally change how brands spend their money. Um, the Olympics may accelerate that um, because suddenly the person who is still, you know, holding the purse strings is like, oh, something that I trust and I um, qualify as, you know, credible is saying that this is something that I should pay attention to. And I think it may serve as a catalyst, but I I don't I think that if you just if that didn't happen, that it happened anyway. Like it's gonna happen yep. anyway because the the audience that make up people who play and watch games are young people who are less and less interested. The Olympics is trying to get young people to tune in to watch ads and to consume, you know, the stuff they're putting out games are doing that every day um so i wonder like it's a it's an interesting like uh you know tug of war that may not look like that on the on, on the from the outside but for those within the industry looking at the olympics they're probably like a lot of us are thinking eh, i i think we i think you know maybe it's a bit of ego but i think it's like yeah, i Do think you- they need us Mm-hmm. Do you think that's the mindset of the gamers as well, though? Because ultimately, if they're competing at the highest level, do you oh, think their oh, mindset yeah. is, oh, yeah. uh, whatever, the, you know, an oh, Olympic yeah. gold means very little to nothing. me? Nothing, nothing. Because look, um, 
if you're playing a game and it's got its own ecosystem, remember the game is not democratized, it's owned by a publisher. Mm-hmm. So the biggest event will always be the, the, the event, the biggest event the publisher endorses. Um, and so I don't think it matters to the person playing the game incredibly competitive, competitively where that and who holds the event, um, as long as it's given the prestige that comes with being a significant event. And so whether it's called the Olympics or the, the Olympic Grand Final or whether it's called the, the ESL Global, you know, whatever, um, the prestige attached to that achievement within the community will kind of be what the people who play the games care most about. And that often goes hand in hand with the prize money attached to the event, the, you know, um, sort of publicity attached to it, and all those things. Um, What might be interesting, though, to think about is if you get the big event at the Olympics, will, and I don't think this would be the case, but like, will people who are not part of esports or games tune into those? Like, traditionally, it's really interesting. You know what I mean? Like, how many people do you know who talk about beach volleyball until the Olympics shows up? Um, how many, I think I, there's, there's, I, yeah, I suppose beach volleyball is uh, an yeah, interesting yeah, one, isn't it? But they market it in a certain way, don't they? They definitely do. Um, but it suddenly makes people interested in watching beach volleyball, yeah. women's beach volleyball. Um, perhaps esports has, I wonder if people would tune in to watch esports. But the barrier to entry is just, it's, it's, it's a, a wall to climb, you know? Like if you tune into a game tomorrow, um, Counter-Strike may be a, one of the best to check out for somebody who's not familiar with esports. But if you tune in, I don't know, but you're, you're looking at a screen and going, what is, like, what is happening here? Yeah, right? why are Whereas, all these people with, shouting at each other? Well, like why, what's, why are all these things moving? Like even for those who play, games who then watch other games they don't understand what's going on in games they don't play whereas for traditional sports like beach volleyball or you know some other weird sports the olympics there was some what's that horse one and you just sit on a horse and like, I, I don't even <laughs> the know horse one where you just sit on a horse you know, you uh, sit on a corsage or something trot, like that trot by like yeah yeah um, it's horsey yeah, horsey like, trot trot i think they call it <laughs> the formal formal yeah. uh, sport like those are not as difficult to understand, um, but esports is. So if it were able to bring in an audience of people to watch it, um, then great. But if it doesn't, then what value does it bring to the esport? Because they already got yeah. their people tuning in who know it well, right? It's do you, educating do you think, people about it. Do you think there is a market for a Vets League though? Um, so the over 40s, just getting into no, it and having no idea what's going on. You know, uh, maybe this is just a bit of press, but there was a um, like a Silver Surfer kind of team. They were like over right. 65s. Um, based on, I think they were Swedish as well. And they kind of put a team together. And they were it. going to events and competing. So I, I think, and they're also in on the streaming side, there are um, sort of more elderly you know, 60, 70, more mature um, players. That's the amazing thing about games is that like you can, you don't need to be out and about 
sitting on a horse, <laughs> you know? No. Um, right? So if so that, anything is going to do it, it's probably so, going to be games, right? So what you're saying is I've still got a chance to become an esports you got a, champion. I mean, you've got a, you got a chance. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to qualify these chances, but you've got a chance. Well, we've all got chances. <laughs> so look, you've had incredible success with what you've done with Level 99. Um, okay. I guess actually the last question will be how we qualify success. But you, it is kind of, the growth's been incredible. Two occasions, you had significant investment. And as an owner of the business, you made a conscious decision to kind of exit that. What yeah. what motivated you, or what kind of what's your mindset mm-hmm. behind that, and how brave did you have to be to kind of make those decisions? Um, I think that it's funny. I just put a post out about this the other day, where I said I'd promise to share some of the things I learned over the last couple of years. Um, I think that when you first get into something, um, that you going back to how we started, I guess that you really, really enjoy working on, um, sometimes clouds your judgment. Um, and for me, definitely, I think it has made me more attached to a business that um, I perhaps should have been more objective with. So I've got to be critical in my, whilst I feel like we've done well to um, bring on, you know, some of the investors in the past that we did, I think that if I look at that in hindsight, I ask myself, why did I get into it? What do I want to, what do I want to achieve um, out of the, the business? Um, it, 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 I think it's presented me with the independence to like pursue things that I wanted to work on, you know? Um, and so objectively, I'd say that being invested in and having goals around, very clear business goals around what you want to achieve are um something that you need to be really prepared for you know um and so i think for me i thought to myself yes we got an investment yes we took on more responsibility and yes we grew a fair bit over the last couple of years since being founded um but where do i see this going and is there something that i just want to kind of continue growing myself and set my own goals um for or is this something where i want someone else to kind of help craft those goals um and i tried two times um i think the first time i didn't really try particularly hard it was very early stage and i was like how do i how do i how does this thing work you know um the second time around it was like okay let's now kind of architect goals together. And now I have to kind of figure out whether they work for my vision of where I want us to go. Um, so I, I think it was, whilst I believe I made the right decision, I think I could have definitely done a lot of things better. But I'd say that the big learning for me was realizing that you don't have to build a business for somebody else. Um, you know, like if you're doing your thing and if you're growing and figuring things out, it's okay to say that you're growing and figuring things out. Um, And I would say that for anybody who is looking for funding um, or is, you know, on the path to building something that they want funded, 
be really clear with anybody that you work with around what you want to achieve in not just the immediate future, but like years down the line. And for me, I think I asked myself, like, do I want to be doing achieving these goals for the next five years? Because that's kind of the mindset you go into it with, right? And I said, and do I want to work with a partner that will kind of get me there or support me in that journey or push me along the way? Um, and if the goals don't match over the five years, not just the first or the second, I think the wise decision is to say, listen, I'll buy that stuff back um, and I'll go at it myself and see where that heads. So I've learned a lot. Um, I still think that there's a lot to be learned because of the space we're in. And I think that because we're in an infant, it's still early days for esports, even though I've you know, kind of plucked the headlines and the growth, it's still figuring itself out, right? Um, and I think during that time, I really like being in a place where I can control the outcome of my mistakes, you know? Um, I want to absorb those for me. I don't think that I want to be less risky and take less, um, you know, make less mistakes because to me, that's what I want to be doing. Um, and I think you just got to be mindful about when you work with someone, are they comfortable with you making that many mistakes for years to come? Um, so yeah, definitely set goals. That's helped me a lot in retrospect and also be open about the things you're going to try out, um, whether they work or not is another story. But, um, I mean, I think that's really important. Though. It's a really important message in the sense that when you do own your own business, you can be brave. And I think you've got to be because otherwise you're just going to yeah. stand still or you're just going to compromise yeah. to do something someone else wants you to do. And ultimately, I think when you are an entrepreneur or a creative and you, you own your own thing, you're there because you want to be brave. You want to take risks. And hey, do you know what? If it, yeah. if it goes wrong, then you have to sweep up that mess and you take full accountability. Yeah. But it's just the way it is. But you, you and it, like I so look, I, I think it's maybe just the personality I am. Um, I'm not, I'm not a compromised person. Um, but ultimately, I'll kind of, if someone wants to be brave within the business, uh, from like a staffing point of view, I'll back it a hundred percent. Like take right, risks, right. do something yeah. different. Um, what we, what you don't want to do is just kind of sit back and let everything happen and kind of, I guess, yeah. follow the wind that someone else is kind of blowing. Agree. I don't know and where that came a, from. Follow the wind someone else is blowing. The <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, 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 somebody. It's going to be, it's going to be everywhere now. That is, that'll be catching on. <laughs> People will be doing presentations and saying, listen, follow the wind someone else is blowing. Or don't, we don't really know you what it means. A, you said a trend and you didn't even know it. Exactly. It's a personality yeah. type, man. You, you, like you just described, I think the personality type are so many people that I've met in this space and outside the space who have kind of kicked off their own thing. And I think that the thing you said is so important. I would, to, I totally agree with it. You got to be comfortable, not just taking the risk for yourself, but allowing the people that you work with and that you work for ultimately. Because if you're, if you, as you touched on this earlier, if they're the ones who are creating and executing on a lot of what you know where you see things going, kind of serving their needs, um, you got to give them space to take risks too so yeah big that's a big one you can you can definitely take your risks and deal with the consequences but a big part of it is how 
how well you can allow or how comfortable you are allowing people you work with to take risks as well and dealing with the outcome. That's something that I'm in a space that's changing as much as fast as esports that I'm still learning how to to deal with. Um, but I, I love the I love the idea that you know maybe it's just that rush you get when you have something you know um where you feel suddenly immediately needed to solve for i think i like being in that mode i like being in the mode where somebody tried something out and didn't pan out and they need help figuring out what you know we could have learned or what we did learn from that i think that's part of the startup journey right like working with those people so i told that point you just said totally agree with it 100 percent man what the wind one the wind one i'm still uh <laughs> <laughs> i still bring it back i'm still unsure when i'll put the poster up for that but um, yeah i'll send you one don't worry about it so listen <laughs> lastly yeah lastly um it's kind of a question that everyone will ask but how how do you define success mm. Oh yeah, for, for me that's easy. I I think this last year, it's crazy how this pandemic has like given us time to like slow down and like pay attention to the things that matter um, and that truly matter. Um, because we were so caught up in, at least for me, I was so caught up in the things I was doing day to day. For me, success is just being able to, like I said, make the decisions that I want to make. Um, work towards something that is, I like being in a mode where I'm challenged. So success needs to be about like, I don't want to sit on the couch and play games all day. You know, like I I work in games, but but I think I want to be constantly challenged. Um, So success needs to include that. And primarily I want to be around the handful of people that I deeply care about, you know? And spend time with people that I care about. So success is if I can't spend time with my kid, but I'm but my, I'm working hard and we're doing well. That's uh, that this just doesn't work. You know, that just that isn't that is not success. Um, so being challenged, really challenged, and like I I'm always trying to figure out where what my limit is. Like I'm trying to figure out how much I can take before I break. You know, um, I don't know what must be a um, something to describe that type of person but um, a lot of us I think are the same like how far can we push this until you know we come up against a wall um, I like that feeling having that feeling of like I don't know what's coming next um, and I've grown to get used to it so it defines success for me and then being able to spend time with the family um, whenever I want to um, I think would be absolute success you know and friends, like a handful of friends that I do have. Um, that, that's about it. I think work is fulfilling, you know, hobbies and what the things I love. I read a lot of comics. I watch a lot of TV movies. Like I want to do the things that I love. And that sounds super obvious. Um, but it, I feel like the balance needs to come from being challenged, you know? And that's what a startup or wherever you work, I think that's where that uh, kind of environment will give you the ability to like you know throw darts at a board and a lot of them won't hit um but that's part of the experience right so yeah i think that's weird i've never i've never really thought of it specifically that way it's just 
And I, I can, I, I'm sure if I asked you that same question two years ago, it may well have um, been different. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I wanted to play games. <laughs> but It's um, like, I, I, my, yeah. my mindset on it changes all the time, I think. But I am, I've kind of, over the last six months, I've certainly become much more pragmatic about it in the sense that success isn't about margins and turnover and stuff like that. For me, success is balance. Being able to kind of have, work-life balance is is crucial and i'm still working towards it and i've certainly not made a success yet of it but also just enjoying what you're doing kind of looking yeah. at a project and just having complete satisfaction whether it whether it earns me 50 pounds or five hundred thousand pounds uh yeah. it doesn't really matter I just want to you just want to enjoy it and take satisfaction from it it's interesting you say it changes and yeah uh, that's that's probably what it is, like figuring out how often it changes, right? Like, yeah. It really does, man. What is success 10 years ago for, for 10 years ago, me? And that's a, for anyone thinking about what does success look like for them, it just, it's going to change. It's probably a good. Well, absolutely, yeah. Right? But just like, enjoy the journey, right? So, yes, and look, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Let's catch up soon. I've, I've got to go and pick up my kid from nursery. Um, Make it happen. Great to chat to you. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Same, man. Talk soon. Take it easy, yeah? Take care of yourself. Bye. Peace.